Welcome to another edition of Animal Chat, an Alberta FPCA podcast where we talk about animal welfare, animal behavior, and animal protection. I'm Dan Kobe, and thank you for listening and for being passionate about animal welfare and compassionate for the animals in our province. Over the summer, we've heard from several animal welfare groups that they've seen an uptick in the number of budgies that have been surrendered this summer. So we're going to investigate why this may be happening and discuss the care needs of exotic birds. My guest today is Dr. Darren Mandrusiak from Harvest Point Animal Hospital in Edmonton. Darren devotes much of his practice to caring for exotics, including budgies. Darren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. So we're talking about budgies, which are also known as parakeets, and these are birds that are native to Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're uh, probably the most commonly kept uh, pet bird, or, or and especially pet parrot, uh, originally from Australia. Obviously, they're they're captive bred here now. Um, Budgerigars, parakeets, budgies, they've got quite a few different names, but uh, pretty much everyone just uh, refers to them as budgies. And these are these are smart birds, correct? Budgies, um, we were talking earlier and you were telling me that their vocabulary is amazing. Yeah, so they're they're probably one of the most underrated uh, pet birds out there, which kind of leads into some of our problems here, but um, they're, they're highly intelligent, highly emotional, very, very social. Um, a lot of people kind of think of them as just this kind of nice little cage bird, but but they are actually a parrot, right? So they're 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 the smallest, uh, or or close to the smallest species of parrot that we keep as pets, or that are that are, uh, exist. And so they they have actually the largest recorded vocabulary of any pet parrot. And and people don't often realize this because their enunciation is not quite as good as some of the larger parrots, and so it's not quite as clear. Uh, but they're they're very very trainable, very very intelligent. They they bond very closely to owners if if given the opportunity. Um, Could be really really good pets if taken care of properly. That's amazing. So uh, as as we mentioned in in my intro, that we're hearing that a lot of budgies are being surrendered. Um, I I know this doesn't surprise you, uh, but what what would be the cause? Do, do you think this summer in particular? Yeah, so this is a problem we've been dealing with for quite a while in, in budgies and it's and it's kind of spiked this summer. But but the, the whole issue kind of surrounds a, a common problem that we have with many exotic pets, which is kind of underestimating the needs, the requirement, the the investment, the time of of pets that are kind of deemed starter pets, right? So these these pets get this kind of reputation as a good pet uh, for a kid because they're 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 low commitment, right? Uh, and, and the problem with budgies is, is they're not a low commitment. They're actually a pretty high commitment. In fact, I would, I would, you know, go as far as to say they're the same amount of commitment uh, financially and time-wise as, as a dog or a cat. And so a lot of people think that they can get them and put them in a small cage and there's not a lot of stuff to do with them. But, but in reality, um, if you set them up properly, they're, they're actually, they, they take a fair bit of investment off the top um, and, and they take a fair bit of time to, to spend with, to, to keep them happy and, and uh, content. And, and so part of the issue we run into is, is they get a reputation for good starter pets because they're, they're cheap. Right. So you can you can buy them for relatively low cost if you're just buying the bird. Um, but but if you're setting them up properly, then they, they can actually be uh, as expensive as, as getting a dog or a cat. So and we see this with many pets, um, cats and dogs in, in as well to a lesser degree. But with exotics, people just don't 
understand what they're getting themselves into. And I guess part of the, uh, the problem is not understanding how long these animals may live in captivity. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that I have come to me think budgies are supposed to live somewhere between, you know, four and six or five and eight years. And, and in reality, they're, they're a 10 plus year animal. So they have a very similar life expectancy to the majority of our pet dogs, actually. And, and, and given their level of intelligence um, and, and uh, social requirements and needs, they're, they're a big commitment for, for a pretty long life expectancy uh, as compared to maybe a hamster, which you know, again, runs into some of these same issues as budgies because they kind of get brought in as a starter pet and their care might be subpar, but but they do have a shorter lifespan, right? So, so when we're talking about budgies in particular, you mentioned that the the low cost of, of buying them, it's about $30 um, the, from what I can see. Um, but the accessories are, you mentioned are the expensive part. Um, what should someone getting a budgie expect to be spending on the accessories and, and what exactly do they need? Yeah, so so the, that's exactly it. So that you know the the cost of a budgie from your average pet store is going to be somewhere in the range of thirty thirty dollars or something like that, pretty cheap. Um, but to actually set them up properly, we're we're talking in excess of five hundred dollars, right? So the the most important thing, the biggest investment people need, uh, is is a, a big cage, right? We we have maybe or, or some people have this kind of notion of of birds living in a small cage. It comes from those cartoon canary kind of images where you've got a little canary in a in a small circular cage that just hangs from your roof, kind of thing. Uh, that's that's not an appropriate housing uh, situation for for a pet parrot like this. They actually need lots of space. They need to be able to fly around. They need lots of toys and enrichment and different perches to keep their feet healthy and all kinds of stuff. And so we're usually looking for cages in excess of three or four feet wide, three or four feet tall, a couple feet deep. Like we're looking for pretty big cages. And, and those cages cost money, usually in excess of, you know, two, three hundred dollars of each. Um, and then by the time you get a number of different perches for them so they can have a variation so they can avoid developing sores on their feet and stuff, you get some enrichment, some toys, some forging toys, and then you get things like UV lights to, to supplement their, their light requirements. Now you're getting into that five, maybe even $600 range to, to set them up properly right off the beginning. And when talking about cages, uh, you had mentioned to me one time that um, the cage should almost be like the bird's bedroom. It's not necessarily that they're staying in there all the time. How does that work? Yeah, yeah. So I tell my clients this quite often is, is that if we have a, you know, if, if you have a cage set up for a parrot, and, and, and let's assume you have a well-socialized parrot because you've been spending lots of time with it, you've been training it, you've been socializing it properly, uh, and it enjoys coming out and interacting with people and spending time with you, you, you should really treat their cage more akin to a, a bedroom right? It's, it's not really a home. Their home is your home. They should come out, they should sit with you, they can they can hang out, they can fly around, um, and they can use the entire home as a form of enrichment and as a form of space, right? And so we treat their cage as more of a bedroom. They go there at night to sleep, uh, maybe during the day when you're at work, but other than that, they should be outside. And so we still want to give them the biggest uh, cage possible, um, but but we really should try and be getting them to spend as much out of cage time as possible uh, so that they can have both physical and mental enrichment associated with that. Um, and so too many people think of uh, a budgie as a, a cage bird, so a, a bird that spends its entire life in a cage. And in an ideal situation, that's not the case. And when you have this conversation with your clients, how do they respond? Um, many of them are, are really good. A lot of people, it's just a lack of uh, understanding, lack of knowledge. I mean, there's a fair number of people out there that don't realize that budgies are actually a parrot, right? And 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 it seems like when we kind of put that label on it, it, it for some reason kind of 
expands people's understanding of maybe the the intelligence level of the bird right and so we and most people know parrots are really smart and so when i start explaining these kind of things as requirements to people most people accept it generally pretty well uh there's some people that that maybe don't <laughs> but uh there's there's a good portion of people that it's just a, a probably a lack of education surrounding the topic and if you have a bird that you have uh, made a connection with and, and it understands um, the relationship and you understand the relationship, what should you expect from your budgie as it flies around your home? What, what uh, type of uh, connection can you make? It, it can be a very rewarding connection. I have some absolutely amazing uh, clients that have put tons of time and, uh, and work into, into their budgies uh, just as much as any dog owner would. And, and these are amazing relationships these are birds that are that are flying free flying around your house obviously with some safety measures in place but are spending time on your shoulder sitting with you watching tv with you eating some snacks um you know they can be trained to do different tricks to talk all this kind of different stuff um and i've got people who have developed really really deep bonds with these birds um and, and it's it's quite rewarding for them and quite rewarding for me to see um people you know having such a great relationship with their pet, just as good, I would say, as, as anybody who has a, a Labrador retriever or a Golden Retriever or something like that. Right? That's amazing. So you mentioned enrichment and you, you gave a few examples, but let's discuss in a little more detail what a cage should offer uh, a budgie or, or any exotic bird uh, to help with their enrichment. Yeah, so this is something I, I talk about in, in our clinic almost daily is 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 mental enrichment. And, and we come across this a lot with our larger parrots as well, because they're very prone to some behavioral disorders in, in the lack uh, when, when they face a lack of enrichment. Um, but but with all parrots and all birds, we really want to focus on trying to enrich their lives, psychologically speaking. I mean, when we talk about parrot species like budgies, this is a bird with a, a huge amount of intelligence and a huge amount of problem-solving abilities uh, so that it could survive in the wild, right? And so we really we want to try and mimic that as much as possible. Um, with regards to stimulating the brain, getting them to solve problems, getting them to use their beaks appropriately like they would in the wild. Um, and so we want to fill it with toys that they can play with, but also toys that they can destroy and puzzles where they can try and get their food from. So we call that foraging. So birds in the wild, they spend a large amount of their time foraging for different foods, flying from tree to tree, you know, tearing things apart, opening seeds and nuts and cracking things and, and, and you know, utilizing the brain and their beak to kind of acquire food. And if we mimic that kind of behavior in, in captivity, we can, we can vastly increase their quality of life. And so I tell people there's kind of three types of toys. This is a, a gross oversimplification, but, but, you know, you've got toys like bells and mirrors and things that they can just bounce around and, and kind of uh, play with and, and that are shiny or make noise or, or what have you. Then there's destructible toys, which are usually some form of kind of recycled paper, different things that they can just shred and damage. And then we have foraging toys which is a way of hiding their food in a situation where they have to work to get it rather than just eat it out of a bowl so that they can keep busy and they have a motivation to keep busy. And these are great things to do while you're away at work and, and your bird is sitting in its cage alone. It can be working on foraging and it can be trying to utilize these toys as much as possible. No different than giving your dog a Kong with peanut butter and, and exactly. snacks and, and keeping them busy while you're away. 100% exact same, exact same idea. You mentioned earlier UV lighting. I, I think people might be surprised to hear that. We, we hear about UV lighting being very important for reptiles, but for birds as well? Yeah, so this is a, 
fairly recent kind of advancement in, in the bird world that we've always, well, not always, but for a long time, like you said, we've known that reptiles uh, require UV light. We know uh, that people require UV light for vitamin D synthesis and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but the more and more we're, we look into it, the more and more we're finding large benefits to supplementing UV light for, for pet birds. And so some of the benefits are very similar to humans and reptiles in the sense that you need vitamin D to absorb calcium. And without it, um, a lot of our birds, especially our female birds, if they're laying eggs, uh, can run into things like osteoporosis and weak bones and, and all kinds of issues. We've also noticed that UV lights help tremendously with feather quality. And then the, the more recent uh, literature has suggested that there might be a large psychological benefit to these birds with these UV lights because birds actually can, can see UV light to some extent. And so it, it's kind of like if you lived your whole life partially colorblind and then someone just switched the lights on instantly, you'd, you'd be you'd be pretty enriched, right? It'd be quite, quite a thing. And, and there's parts of the brain that are, that are used for visualizing those types of lights. And so it stimulates the brain, it activates the brain, it activates the optic nerve, it's, it's mentally stimulating. And so we're, we're now recommending pretty much every bird should have a UV light on for some extent during the day. And putting them by the window doesn't suffice it? No, most of our windows, our modern windows actually filter the majority of UV light out. It's the same reason that people have a hard time getting sunburns through windows. It doesn't really happen. And, and that's because most of the UV is filtered out by the angle of our windows. So, All right, well, let's move on to food then. Um, people might think that feeding a parrot of any kind is as simple as offering them some seed. Uh, more complicated than that, though. Yeah, yeah. So parrot nutrition is is quite, quite complex. Um, and so we have found that while many small birds, and it becomes a little more tricky with small birds, we know quite distinctly that large parrots don't eat a large proportion of nuts and seeds. And so those diets are never appropriate for those species. Small birds can eat some seeds, but it's a misconception that their diet should be entirely seed. And so the seeds mostly have a dietary composition akin to that of a, a chicken nugget from McDonald's. So they're, they're kind of, uh, they're high fat, high protein, and there's not a whole lot left in there as far as nutrition. So minerals, vitamins, you know, calcium, vitamin A, that kind of stuff is not really in there. And so by feeding all seed diets, we quite commonly run into nutritional deficiencies over time uh, that, can, that can lead to some pretty serious, pretty major health issues. And so now for all species of birds, we're recommending some form of pelleted food be supplemented into their diet, as well as fresh veggies, fresh fruits, stuff like that. Um, and so for a budgie, for example, we're usually recommending upwards of 50, maybe depending on the situation, even 70% of their diet be pelleted food. And pelleted food is a lot like kibble for dogs. It's a manufactured food with controlled vitamin content, controlled fat content. And so it kind of... Uh, kind of simplifies balancing the diet of a complex species like this. Whereas if we were just, you know, buying random bird seed from the store and, and throwing some veggies in there, we're probably not meeting the nutritional requirements of this, of this animal. Another important issue with any animal, but especially if you're looking at some of these exotics that have long, long uh, lifespans, really important for owners to have a plan in place for what happens to the pet if something should happen to them and they can't care for it anymore, whether it be health or, or whatever, having a place for the bird to go and that plan in place and someone who knows that the bird is coming to them is quite important. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, 
we encounter this quite a bit and and especially you know not so much with the budgies but with the with the larger parrots as as they get larger they tend to have significantly longer lifespans and and it's something that people know they live long but i don't know that a lot of people know quite exactly how long they can live so we have you know uh, some of our parrots i have patients over 75 years old right and and so there's 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 pet birds out there that can live vastly long lifespans and and it's not uncommon and at all for them to outlive their owners or or outlive their owner's ability to care for them, right? And so it's important that if you're getting a bird that's going to have, or, or any exotic animal uh, that's going to have uh, a long lifespan, that you have a contingency plan and maybe even a plan B and a plan C in place for who's going to care for this bird or what are you going to do with this animal uh, after you're no longer to care for it um, or no longer able to care for it. And so uh, some people, this is a, they, they put it, go as far as to put it in their will. Um, a lot of people, it's just a kind of a prearranged agreement. Um, but, but older parrots having to be rehomed for rescues in different situations like that is a, is a big problem in the industry. And, and bird rescues are overwhelmed, to say the least, um, when it comes to this kind of stuff. And so they have a large number of middle to upper aged uh, parrots that are trying to find homes all the time because people don't necessarily have an effective plan or the plan they put in place has kind of fallen through as far as the care of the bird. And unfortunately, some people make the, the grave mistake of just letting the birds go outside. Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my soapbox, probably, when it comes to this. I, uh, this is something that is to be to be blunt is is highly inappropriate so we we have people um and this is really common in budgies and this is uh you know i was prior to this podcast talking with the people from mika's safe house a rescue that we work with um in, in short park uh, about this to see kind of what their numbers were uh of budgies this year versus last year all, all some information like that and and this has become a bigger and bigger bigger problem is that when you realize that the budgie is going to live longer or or is taking too much work or you can't care for it anymore there's kind of this romanticized notion that you'll just kind of release it outside and it'll just kind of fly off west into the sunset and, and it'll be this peaceful kind of end to their to their situation. And, and it's really not. So as even if you get past the fact that this is releasing a non-native wildlife into our into our wild ecosystem, uh, potentially introducing some problems, um, it's it's really not a pretty end. So Budgies can't survive here. Um, that's not, they're, they're from Australia, as we said. And so uh, when we release them, their life ends in one of probably three ways, predation, starvation, or freezing, right? And so none of these are, are nice ends to a, to a life for a pet. And so even though I, I go and I say, oh, you should have a plan. It's not ideal for us to go to a rescue. It's much better to go to a rescue than to release a, a bird into the wild. Um, it's in, in so many different ways. It's, it's a really, really bad idea. Yeah, the, it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, even from my own experience uh, at a, a, a property that I owned, uh, we were doing some rentals in, in the wintertime and there was a yellow canary um, singing beautifully outside, somehow managed to survive the winter. But um, we, we, we certainly felt bad for it. We tried to catch it. Bird wasn't playing uh, that game with us at all. Um, so we, we hope that he, uh, he survives, but it, it was, it was heartbreaking to see this beautiful um, Southern hemisphere bird in trying to survive an Alberta winter when it was quite bitter. 
Yeah, yeah, it can be. I mean, we've had patients, unfortunately, or rescue situations come in where they've uh, they've lost multitudes of toes because they've been frozen off in the cold. All kinds of really, really major welfare concern situations uh, from birds that have either escaped unintentionally, which is is uh, an unfortunate situation, or or been released on purpose, right? And so. Um, I've had this discussion with some of my clients and, and, and honestly, when we have the discussion and we sit down and think about it logically, many of them are appalled that that was their plan. They, they realize that this doesn't make any sense, but um, it's, it's something that if you don't put a lot of thought into it, it might seem like a good idea, but it's really not. At your, at your vet clinic, you do offer birds for, um, for uh, purchase or adoption, uh, correct? Yeah, so we we have a foster bird ongoing with uh, with Mika's safe house. So they have tons of birds, and we like to take one and and pretend that we're maybe helping them a little bit because they're so overwhelmed. Um, and so we always have a, an adoptable bird that's either been been relinquished or found outside or different situations. Usually a small small parrot of some sort, um, like a budgie, for example. Or right now we've got Caprica, the Kakariki parrot here. Um, and, and so all the adoptions go through Mika's safe house. We're just kind of a, a holding facility for, uh, to take care of them temporarily. So if we've piqued the interest of anybody, especially in the, uh, the Edmonton area, Northern Alberta, Mika's is the place to go if they like to welcome, uh, an exotic bird, a parrot species of sorts into their home. Yeah. Yeah. They're honestly, they're fantastic to work with. They've, uh, they take really, really good medical care of their birds. Like it's, it's really quite astounding. Um, and, and it's always nice if you can adopt, uh, an individual rather than, than buy one, right. You give a second chance to home. It's really, really nice to do. So, uh, they take really good care of their birds and they've been adopting out tons. They adopt out hundreds a year. So, uh, if you're looking for a pet bird, uh, give them a shout first and see, see if they've got something for you. And based on this conversation, you, you clearly believe, uh, that, uh, exotic birds can, can be great companions in your home. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, that's, that's a good, good question. And we, uh, we talk about that a lot in our clinic and, and I do, I do believe that exotic birds can be great companions. I think that they're often underestimated in the amount of work they take, but if you come prepared for it, I think they can make fantastic pets. Um, and if people come in with the right mindset, knowing what they're getting into, I think that they're, they're, they're all around. They can be just as rewarding, if not more rewarding than other pets. And it's, and it's a fantastic situation. People just need to make sure they're, they're getting into the right situation and it's really what they're looking for. Excellent. Well, if you, uh, anyone listening wants to learn more about budgies or other exotics and their care, or just to see some of the photos of, of, uh, animals that we've been talking about today, um, we do put on our website under the show notes, uh, portion of our podcast section, uh, some additional information and photos, uh, and so our website is albertaspca.org slash news slash podcasts. And then you can just click on the show notes link uh, on the podcast portion. Darren, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today and share all of this great information about budgies and other exotics. It's been a fascinating conversation. Yeah, my pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Animal Chat, we invite you to check out our episode from August 6th on the free roaming dog community on Siksika Nation and how that community's animal protection officer balances safety and protection for animals and residents. And if you're enjoying our episodes, please give us a positive review so that others can also learn about Animal Chat and the topics we're discussing here. Bye for now. <laughs>